Before we begin, a quick note of warning. The topic we're about to explore may not be suitable for our younger listeners. It's Richard's Famous Food Podcast! Jump into the ground! Richard Parks III stars in P-Play Private Eye! In an effort to subsidize his highly produced passion project food podcast, former newsman and podcast personality, Pete Lay Brinstein accepts work-for-hire cases from the public. Expenses paid, of course. And now, we take you to today's show, The Case of the Cucumber Song. Recently, I got an assignment from an anonymous source to investigate the meaning of an old British tune about a cucumber. Low stakes, I thought. Cucumber, I thought? What's the big deal? Anyways, I didn't think too much more on it once the first payment showed up. You could fill a gallon-sized crock with all those greenbacks. You see, this old tune was about a man who loves a cucumber. Like I said, low stakes. But in the UK, high stakes mean bloody rare. All I knew to start was that the performer had the name of Harry Champion. Harry Champion. Who was this man? Why a cucumber? What did it all mean? It was a classic mystery. I couldn't have realized then I was entering a cross-cultural double entendre multiverse. Not when I first called my manager about it. He knows Hollywood well, but he grew up across the pond, so I figured he could help. Hello, can you hear me? Hello. Have you heard of Harry Champion? Harry or Harry? What is the difference? Are you just doing an accent thing or? I mean, my accent, the first one is um, a thing that is covered in hair. And the second one is a man's name. Do them again consecutively for me. Harry. Harry. Um, But when you said Harry Champion, I couldn't tell if you meant um, a champion that was Harry (laughs) or a man who was called Harry Champion. Normally context (laughs) makes it very easy to tell which one the person is talking about. What do you think of when you think of a hirsute winner? Um, I'm thinking of like dog racing in the north of England. Uh, They're racing whippets. They're chasing a toy rabbit. The winner is described as a hairy champion. In fact, you're wrong. Because most dogs have fur. And oh, here we go. Here we go. Very few have hair. Only certain breeds you would have to differentiate. We say short hair, which I now understand is a misnomer. Uh, but maybe this Pacific champion had a longer cut. I could have kept trading quips with my quick-witted British manager for days. But I'm not a punster by trade. I'm a private dick. Anyways. Anyways. You're trying to throw me off the scent. We should talk about the person. Have you heard of Harry Champion? Harry. Um, I don't think so. My guess would be that he ran a fish and chip shop. Close. I'd done my research on this bit already. Turns out Harry Champion was a British singer during Victorian times and a star of the UK's music hall genre. That's similar to what we call vaudeville here in the States. I didn't know much, but I'd heard music hall was body and raucous with roots and pub sing-alongs. This Harry Champion fella liked to sing about food too, with tunes like boiled beef and carrots and a little bit of cucumber, which was the subject of my investigation. Harry Champion. It was actually his stage name. His real name was William Henry Crump. Mm -hmm. There are these recordings of his from 1910 and 1911. So I'm going to send you one, okay? Mm -hmm. Are you in front of your computer? Yes. 
Let's listen to this one together. Um, is there a specific reaction that you might want me to have? No, of course not. I mean, none of this is planned. This is just a documentary food show. I hadn't told my manager yet about how I'd started taking on PI casework as a way to help subsidize my highly produced passion project food podcast, and how my first case was to investigate this old British tune about a man's love for a cucumber. Call today. Let's go. Okay. A little bit of cucumber, my favorite food. Really? Yeah, nobody believes me. My favorite food is cucumber. Now I was winged on cucumber and on my wedding day. When the fun was over and the guests had gone away. My old darling said to me, you must be hungry, Joe. Is there anything you fancy? I said, fancy, don't you know? I like pickled onions. I like pickle lily. Pickle cabbage is all right with a bit of cold meat on Sunday night. I can go to Martyrs, but what I do prefer is a little bit of cucumber, 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 little bit of cucumber. <laughs> Wow, I love the way that he says cucumber. To the Lord Mayor's banquet, I went in one foggy day. When I saw the grub, it took my appetite away. With paragraphs and chopping cheese and picked it up with them. I said, I don't care for that, you don't know who I am. I like pickle onions. I like pickle lily. Pickle cabbage is all right <laughs> with a bit of cold meat on Sunday night. I can go to Martyrs, but yeah. what I do prefer is a little bit of cucumber. I come, you come, little bit of cucumber. Let's sing, then I yeah, like pickle right. onions. Okay. A great working class tune. Why do you like it? It's jolly. Um, it celebrates the foods that I grew up with. And then it mocks a bunch of foods that I have never had. Like the fancy stuff, the pig's head stuffed with jam, that kind of thing? Yeah, I've never had a pig's head that was stuffed with, uh, with jam or sparrowgrass and chaffinches. So he's not a man of fancy tastes is the point of the song, right? Yes. He can go tomatoes, but he prefers cucumber. He prefers a little bit of cucumber, cucumber, cucumber. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And I wasn't entirely sure that the cucumber wasn't um, a metaphor for this newly married man's penis. <laughs> really? I like pickle onions. I like pickle lily. Pickle that never occurred to me. I mean, it's a phallic shape. Hmm. You know what? I would have kicked him out of my office right then and there for such rivalry. But a few things. First. I didn't have an office to kick him out of. Pickle Brian's son was just started out as a PI. All I had was a logo, a likeness of myself as a pickle with a mustache, which was a holdover from my days as a child-friendly food podcaster. But the pickle was dressed in a little trench coat, see? And he had a fedora, like the one Bogey wore in Casablanca, and he was holding a magnifying glass. Anyways. Second, this was my manager. And third, the Brits have a way with double meanings. At first I had to squint, but I couldn't deny that the cuke had something of a phallic quality to it, except with layers, like an onion. I knew I had to dig deeper to find out more about Harry Champion and his song A Little Bit of Cucumber. Could it be about a phallus? And why? This set me off on another adventure with the Brits, which we'll get to next, right after this break. Do you have an investigation for the mustachio pickle? Just call our tips' hotline at 323-813-6634. If your tip makes the mustachioed pickle twirl his little mustache with intrigue, P. Clay Brinstein will investigate your mystery on a future episode. That's 323-81-FOO-4. Call today. Call today. Call today. Done it again. Done it again. 
Great Champion wasn't no race-winning whippet, that much I knew. But who was this man who enshrined the cucumber in song for time immemorial? And why a cuke? Was it phallic? Luckily, the briny back channels of my former food podcaster's Rolodex led me quickly to an expert on Harry Champion, and the musical genre that he once was a star of more than a century ago in London. Hello! Hello, Peter. Hi, Richard. Can you just introduce yourself by name? Uh, well, my name's Peter Charlton. I'm an actor and singer. I'm also a historian for the British Music Hall Society. So what is Music Hall for somebody who's never heard of it? We in, in this country like a sing-song, and there's no better place to have a sing-song than in your local pub with a pint in one hand and a meat pie in the other. When the Industrial Revolution brought more and more people into the towns, the pubs got busier and busier. Mainly men used to gather together and have a bit of a sing-song. These sing-songs would be led by an individual who was paid in meat pies and who performed in a dedicated room in the pub. Soon, pubs started constructing add-ons to their buildings specifically for the sing-songs. They called them music halls. Due to its origins as a pub entertainment... Early musical songs, they are sexually pretty strong stuff. It's rude. Rude. In the UK, the word means referring to a taboo subject such as sex. English humour is rude, and there's nothing wrong with that. This being Victorian times, the sexual meanings of the songs became encoded in metaphors in the songs themselves and in the singer's delivery of choice words. It was the way they said it. If it was read out in a court of law, it would sound totally innocent. Enter Music Hall star Harry Champion. Oh, a hairy winner. So the hairy winner would be a greyhound. Harry Champion. Uh, done it again, done it again. Harry's songs were to do with food. You know, the, the audience knew all about getting a good meal, even if they'd not seen one for a while. Do you do anything in character? Could you do a song in his style? <laughs> There's a thing called um, Timothy, Let's Have a Look. One Sunday taking home the dinner from the baker's shop. Some rotty girls with rabbity curls demanded me to stop. And hanging on me bobtail coat, they all began to grin. They shouted at me, well, long to see what's in your baking tin. Whoa. Oh, Timothy, let's have a look at it, Timothy, let's have a look. It smells so nice, we only wish you'd take the cloth from off the dish. Let's have a potato each and then we'll sling our hook. We won't interfere with your mutton, old dear. So Timothy, let's have a look. I never shall forget the time. I What's going on in that song? We won't interfere with your mutton, old dear. You know, the men in the audience knew exactly what he was singing about. Well, the women probably did as well. The authorities, the police standing at the back of the hall, keeping an eye on it, uh, would think, well, nothing wrong with that. He's talking about a meal, talking about food. In this song, Timothy's on his way home from the baker's shop, and some naughty girls demand to see what's in his baking tin. They implore him to take the cloth from off the dish, promising not to interfere with his mutton, but imploring him still that they may please have a look. And Harry would introduce that little bit of, you know, giving it all the innuendo. He actually got charged by the police for singing rude words, which he denied emphatically. So this song that I'm interested in 
a little bit of cucumber. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, I do know it. Um, <clears throat> was it, I like pickled onions, I like pickled lily, a little bit of cucumber, you come do come, a little bit of cucumber. <laughs> Old Pikle Brinstein was on the cusp of clearing his first case. Just at that moment, I glanced down at my Pikle logo, the tiny pickle man with the mustache and the trench coat and the fedora-like bogey and the magnifying glass. Darned if the little fellow wasn't twirling his stash right there. He looks up and says to me, great work, Pikle Brinstein. Anyways. And now just to get absolute confirmation of the phallic meaning of the cucumber in this song from this here expert. If there is a double meaning to this song, what do you think it is? It's only about food. I mean, there's nothing else in it. I like big I like big Yes, yeah, so somebody who just loves a little bit of cucumber, you come do come, a little bit of cucumber. Well, if I could just challenge that for a moment. You can read anything to anything you want. I think that's fanciful, personally. And uh, I've never heard anyone sing a cucumber except as a straight song. Nothing naughty in it at all. Nice talking to you, Richard. Bye-bye. Something seemed off. I decided to call my manager. Doesn't that go against his whole thing? Yeah, it does. Like he was just explaining how the food was always related to the body or had some other meaning. And they were trying to smuggle in these uh, humorous things for the adults. But he insists that this is just straight up food. <laughs> like he was not having it. Wow. At all. His description of the genre in general seems at odds with his... Uh, his interpretation of this one song. This is blowing my mind that he, he's not he's not sharing this. I mean the the cucumber 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 is <laughs> this makes this even more of a mystery to me. Was Peter hiding something? When I arrived home later that night to knock out in the crock, that darn song kept running through my head. I couldn't sleep. Can't sleep, might as well walk around the crock. Went over to my shelf and started rifling through my LPs, looking for a favorite recording of briny ocean waves that might soothe old Keekley to sleep. I don't know, those briny ocean waves just put me right to sleep. But where is that record? As I searched for the right record, I began an inner monologue as to what I was thinking and doing at that moment. I need some sleep, on account of that this is my first case and it's nearly got me stumped. I mean, I've been looking for meaning in a hundred-year-old song about a cucumber by applying my food podcasting skills through research into the cultural history of the British musical genre. Maybe I've been going about it all wrong. Maybe I'm not cut out for this type of work. I sure am in a pickle. Anyways, of course, the Brits call a cucumber pickle a gherkin. What's this record that fell off the shelf? John Lennon's Walls and Bridges? What's this first track called? Going down on love? These Brits and their rude double entendres. Wait, what's this? There's more. The songwriting credit on the back of this record album says that this song was written by one Dr. Winston O'Gherkin? <gasps> it was then that it started to hit me. Gherkin? That's the British word for a cucumber pickle. Hang on. Gherkin? Pickle? Cucumber? Risque double entendre songwriting. It almost all added up. Almost. <laughs> Thank you.
poured myself a tall glass of brine and threw the record on the hi-fi. Maybe old P-Clay Brinestein's on to something. Maybe this Dr. Winston O'Gherkin is the key to the whole thing. And now to continue my investigation. So, it appeared John Lennon used Winston O'Gherkin as a pseudonym, and I knew that the title Going Down on Love seemed to have a double meaning. But, could there be a connection to Harry Champion, the music hall genre, and a little bit of cucumber enough to crack this case? Could it be that Harry Champion and his cucumber song altered the course of popular music history forever? In search of answers, I tracked down Paul Dunoyer, author of John Lennon, Whatever Gets You Through the Night. The book is a song-by-song analysis of every solo track John Lennon wrote and recorded. Dunoyer had also written extensively about Music Hall, and also Liverpool, his hometown, which he shares with all of the Beatles. With any luck, he'd help me draw enough of a connection between John Lennon and Harry Champion to establish a lineage of British innuendo-laden songwriting sensibilities and recording personae hiding behind the symbolism of the cucumber. As I headed into my interview, I knew nothing was at stake. Who is Dr. Winston O'Gherkin? If you look at the sleeve notes to um, this album, Walls and Bridges, John has clearly got some kind of obsession with gherkins. And a gherkin is just another kind of cucumber. In the credits, he's variously listed as uh, as things like Dr. Winston O'Gherkin, Thumbs Gherkin, the Reverend Fred Gherkin. I know that he and Yoko used to book into hotels under the name Mr. and Mrs. Gherkin. A pseudonym, just like Harry Champion before him. There's this strange obsession with gherkins, and I wish I knew the origin of it. Well, it's a great word, right? It is. There are some words just seem intrinsically funny for a reason that you can't particularly understand. Pickles themselves are always regarded as very humorous in England. John would have grown up with the notion of pickles, but in England in those days, pickles always meant pickled onions. I like pickled onions. And now to the song, Going Down on Love. It sounds like a juvenile double entendre, but... It's not a smirking song. It's a depressed song. Got to get down, down on probably quite typically uh, Lennon-esque that he felt he was writing a song that was just a little too earnest and heavy and he had to lighten it in some way with a subversive touch by introducing this um, pretty obvious double entendre. Going down on love Going down on love But it comes out of a very um, confused time in his life actually um, interviewed Yoko about um, these songs. She says that she cannot listen to these songs, this, this album, Walls and Bridges, because it evokes such a painful time in their relationship. And your love, she has gone. It dates from his period of separation from Yoko. It's the time he called The Lost Weekend because he was on a actually 15-month-long uh, alcoholic binge. Uh, he'd been sent away by Yoko and he went over to LA and he behaved generally pretty badly over there. He was drinking far too much and getting into scrapes with paparazzi and so forth. Somebody please, please help me. You know I'm drowning in a sea of hatred. 
I mean, he knows the double meaning, obviously, but that uh, the going down could just as easily relate to the sinking feeling he's entering into the deepest depression of his life. Mm-hmm. So John Lennon, like Harry Champion before him, had freighted away hidden meanings behind the symbol of the cucumber and rude double entendres in a recording, but I needed to know next. Was there evidence of a direct link between Harry Champion and John Lennon? If so, it'd be enough to prove my theory. Maybe even enough to warrant making a food podcast about. Obviously, you've written about Music Hall as well as the Beatles and about Liverpool. Are you in front of your computer? Yes, I am, yeah. Okay, I'll email you this link, and I'm wondering if you take the time to, to listen to it. I just sent it. A little bit of cucumber. Ah, Richard, your evil plan is suddenly beginning to make sense to me now. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out old Peaklay Brinstein's hunch was right on target. The Beatles themselves were big fans of the last of the music hall stars. And one in particular. The last of the great music hall comics in that tradition was a Liverpool comedian called Ken Dodd. Ken Dodd was a huge hero to uh, the Beatles. We have always thought that it might be a good question to put to Mr. Kenneth Dodd and the members of the Beatles. The Beatles even appeared on television with this latter-day star of the music hall genre, who had something of a Harry Champion-esque act. One of Ken Dodd's famous jokes was about cucumbers. He would always say, what a wonderful day to stick a cucumber through next door's letterbox and shout, the Martians are coming, the Martians are coming. <laughs> Try running a cucumber through the vicar's letterbox and saying, look out, the Martians are coming. <laughs> it was as close to rude as you could get, you know, rude being the, the coy word for uh, obscene. All aboard the Peaklay Express. Next stop, the shocking conclusion. And there it was, clear as day. John Lennon, as a young man, was so influenced by cucumber-related double entendre music hall-derived humor, and even possibly Harry Champion himself, that, in his darkest hour, he assumed Gherkin as a pseudonym, willfully participating in a lineage of recording personae using the phallic-shaped veggie to obfuscate, but also to entertain. There was no doubt, the cucumber song had changed the history of the recorded arts. Anyways... The only piece that didn't fit was me. What was I doing mixed up in all this? I don't know, maybe you made this connection already too, but it's kind of interesting that the logo for your Richard's Famous Empire is also like Richard Parks behind a gherkin mask. <laughs> like you're also using it as a pseudonym in visual form. From Harry Champion to John Lennon to, to Richard Parks. <laughs> to, Richard, <laughs> uh, to Richard Parks, the third or the fourth, yeah. That'd be all very well and good, but actually... Actually, My name's not Richard Parks the third. It's Peaklay Brinstein. And I'm here to solve your case for a small fee plus expenses. The loot from the PI biz, I'll use it to subsidize this year Passion Project child-friendly food podcast. The logo of which is a pickle with a mustache. In my logo, he's got a little trench coat, see? And if it didn't... 
Thanks for tuning in to P-Clay Private Eye. Join us next time to see if P-Clay Bronstein can manage to keep his PI business running by taking on more investigative casework that might also provide fodder for future food podcast episodes. Richard Parks III and the mustachioed P-Clay logo appear courtesy of Richard's Famous Food Podcast. And now, Vavoom to the moon. Whee! so beautiful. He's flying. It's Richard's Famous Food Podcast. Um, one other lead that I have for you. The World Cup was held in England in 1966. The trophy for winning the World Cup, um, it was stolen by somebody. Wait, stolen? And there was like a nationwide campaign to try and find it. Um, A man was walking his dog and his dog came across this trophy like wrapped up in some bushes or something. And the dog's name was Pickles. So it's a a hairy champion, literally named Pickles. (laughs) And you just happen to know this. I mean, I'm British. What breed of dog was this? His Wikipedia page says he was a mixed-breed collie. Do collies have hair? All border collies grow hair, even short-haired or smooth-coat ones. (laughs) QED, proven. QED. (laughs) Case closed. I think that's sensible, personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never heard anyone sing a cucumber except as a straight song. Do you know who Thelma Pickles is? Oh, hang on, let's read it out. Uh, was this the name of one um, of Paul McCartney's early girlfriends? I think it was John's high school girlfriend. That's right. Yeah. Um, So did we do it? I have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> but yes.